Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello listeners, Tim Sylvie here. Before we introduce today's special guest, I have to dive through the airwaves from leafy Bedfordshire to the big smoke to bring in my co-host for your listening pleasure, YouTube content creator, F1 aficionado enthusiast, and as I recently discovered, fan of field hockey, Tomo F1. <laughs> How are you? How are you doing? You're right? Into the smoke. I, I don't live in London anymore, actually. I've moved out to, to, to Essex um, to get away. Uh, well, the, still, uh, I mean... yeah. I'm, I'm still you know. pretty close to the city centre. No, I'm, I'm doing all right, mate. It's, it's good to be back. Good to be back. Oh, thanks for coming back. It's, you, considering you were only meant to do up to Christmas last year, you seem to be making rather a lot of appearances. This is what like, I, I'm not one to. Uh, if, if you ask me to sign a contract for like a year and like guarantee, I'm like, uh, no, don't do it. But then if you just ask me ad hoc, I'm usually available. And I'm all, I always make yeah. myself available for you, Tim. You do, and I appreciate it. Um, Shall I introduce today's guest? Yes, please. I'm looking forward to this one. So today I'm delighted to welcome our guest who hails from one of my favourite countries on the planet, which is Turkey, a place that I holiday at frequently. Um, Cem Bulatbasi hails from Istanbul and has already had an inspiring career, starting out in motocross, just five or six years old, eventually finding himself switching from two wheels to four. Fast forward and he's found success in both real world racing, where he's taken to the track in Formula 2 and soon to be Super Formula in Japan, but also in esports, where he's had huge success in the sim race world it's a joy to have him here we're looking forward to chatting about his life career thoughts and opinions Jem, a very warm welcome to the motormouth podcast how are you hi guys thank you very much for having me i mean you have all like the green screen and everything very professional microphones and everything <laughs> i'm just joining you from the hotel room so sorry about that um but yeah it feels good clear. don't worry feels good to be here thank you Jem, where are you uh, joining us from in the world? Because the um, life of a racing driver, you're 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 never like you never sit still. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I mean, uh, well, I'm in Japan. I'm in Gotemba, which is like an hour and a half from uh, Tokyo, uh, which is uh, next to our factory, Team Factory TGM. Um, so yeah, I basically yeah. live here in a hotel room for the past month. I would I would say so, and I think for another month I'm here. Feels good to be here. Actually, I'm very happy. 
Good, good. Well, look, we'll come on to why you're in Japan shortly, but let's take it back a little bit first. You're from Istanbul, right? And um, one, I, I mean, I, I go on holiday a lot to Turkey. We go to a place called Kalkan in Antalya, and um, and but I've been to Istanbul a lot. Been to the Istanbul Grand Prix, and it's one of my favourite cities on the planet, apart from the traffic. Um, what 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 was life like for you uh, growing up in Istanbul? What what was life like for for young Jem? A lot of traffic, yeah, that's for sure. Um, but, bes- <laughs> but besides that, honestly, life, yeah, like I said, I mean, like you said, I mean, motocross racing when I was uh, five. I actually won the Turkish motocross championship when I was six, which was like wow. 50cc. I was actually small. I was about the same height as the as the motorbike. So I had my coach back then holding the bike when I had to stop because if he hadn't, then I would just pull down because um, my, <laughs> my, my, my like, feet were never touching the ground. Um, and then, so I won the Turkish championship and then I moved up to 65 CC, which had the gears and everything. It was going faster. You were jumping higher. Um, so it got a bit too dangerous. So my parents were like, okay, I mean, we did some crazy stuff taking you to motocross, but I think it's, it's fine to say that it's <laughs> ended a line for us here. Uh, cause I assume like for the parents, it's really not easy to watch when your like six year old son is doing stuff like that. Um, so I went to, uh, karting. I did a few years of karting for a start off in uh, in Turkey, but my life in Istanbul, honestly, I I did I I my parents took me to I don't we we went basketball I I tried basketball I tried football which I didn't really like I was never into football um still not am no no clue about football players except the, except my friends so except my friends I don't know anybody um in football I don't watch football um. And I've never really played it, but basketball I enjoyed. I think I played for like five or six years. Um, I really enjoyed basketball. I even went to, I don't know, horseback riding at some point, gymnastics, everything. They just, like, my parents just tried everything, see what I was into. Um, and back then, I think it was racing. Um, so we just focused a bit more on racing, which was karting back then. We had a very um small group of motorsports enthusiasts in in turkey well the motorsports enthusiast is a lot of people especially now it's it's a it's huge in turkey uh, yeah. but back then it was a lot smaller and also of course from the investment side um it was quite quite expensive so you don't ha- you had a lot of people following motorsports but not many people really doing karting or anything um so i did a few years of karting and that's when it started for me in turkey um, but yeah, that's a different question, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I like how, um, cause I think that's the best way of doing it as, as like a, mm. you know, parents to kind of showcase your children, lots of different things, activities, yeah. sports, and then let yeah. them choose. Cause my dad always yeah. wanted me to be a footballer, even though that mm-hmm. was never really, I wanted to be a racing <laughs> driver. Um, but it, it never materialized. Also, were your parents into racing at all? Did you have any background um, family into it? No, did you no, just not love at it all. Yourself? Yeah. I mean, I think. My father was not into motorsports. He was just into cars, but he never really enjoyed driving cars quickly. So he, he and he never really trusted his capabilities. So he just enjoyed cars, classic cars, sometimes. Uh, but but yeah, besides that, no history of motorsports or anything that come across. And we got to, got into it through. My father's friends actually who were into motorsports, so they they got me into motocross racing first and then karting. Uh, but as years went by, I think the whole family just became a motorsports fan, and 
yeah, mm. I think my mother's the biggest motorsports fan now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and and you've obviously in more recent history, yeah. um, and I suppose things like lockdown during yeah. you know the COVID times accelerated this. You've got into the the esports side of things yeah. and sim racing. Do, does it does it um, does it make sense that if you're good at sim racing, you're automatically good at car racing, and if you're good at car racing, you're automatically good at sim racing? Do those things? tie up not exactly because i mean especially the other way around if you're good at car racing you you're not always great at sim racing and um, because if you do the reverse switch from car racing to sim racing you have a lot less feeling when you're driving whereas if you go from sim racing to real racing you realize that there is a lot more to feel while you're driving a yeah. car but when you're used to feeling that much and you go to sim racing you, you're like oh wow this is just nothing really but the thing is um, when you go from sim racing to real racing, of course, to an extent, it's quite realistic. But also, like, the sense of speed, danger, anything like that is just a whole different story. So, I mean, pushing the car on a limit in the F1 game is a lot different than driving an actual single-seater, you know, uh, with the whole aspect of downforce. I think for GT cars, it's a bit easier. Uh, but the concept is of downforce is really... Um, difficult to understand but also to put it in action because there are some corners where you feel like you're on the limit and you say I'm going to take it a bit slower next time or you go over the limit thinking well you think you're going over the limit so you take it easier next time but the thing is it's it's sometimes reversed so when you think you're on the limit you just have to go a bit faster and suddenly it's easier to do it so yeah. understanding that is difficult, but also putting that into action, knowing that you were over the limit last time, but you have to go faster to make that corner is easier. Make that corner easier is really hard to. Sometimes you get mental blocks, and um, which was not easy to get used to at the beginning. Um, it, it, it sounds somewhat like counterintuitive, doesn't it? Because what <laughs> do you think? What style suits you best? Because obviously, high downforce, single seater, mm-hmm. trail braking stay away from the curbs versus <laughs> GTs, a l- lot less downforce, but mm. you can, you know, rag it a little bit more. What what suits mm. your style most? I mean, to be honest, when I was sim racing, I was always quicker on downforce cars, um, especially when it just got faster. Like when I did F4, F3, F2, F1 on the sim, I was always quicker as the cars went quicker. And on the GT cars, I was never really that great. Like I was okay. Uh, uh, like I would be able to do a world championship season in sim racing in GT cars but I wouldn't say I would be top 5 or top 10 um, I would rather be second top 10 maybe occasionally getting into top 10 um, so it was never really my strong uh, suit the GT cars And um, but for adaptation it was easier for me to adapt to GT cars in real life like when I first did GT4 um Finding the limit was a lot easier compared to a single-seater. Uh, but then again, now thinking about it, I like single-seaters a lot more. And I feel like pushing that downforce, especially through fast corners, um, I'm usually okay in fast corners. Uh, and I really like the concept of downforce. Also mentally, it's really challenging, and I like that challenge. Now, you've you've had a great deal of success in esports. You, you, you won the Formula Renault esports series. You've also had your success in, in real-world racing. Can, can you compare the two? I mean, sim racing, for those that don't know, is a big deal now, isn't it? Like, there's all, all the F1 teams have their sim racing um, 
drivers and and they're treated uh, with a great deal of respect and they have big followings like yourself you know very big social followings can you compare the feeling of winning in or, or getting a podium in sim racing versus in the real world do you, do, do you still get that buzz even though it's effectively a computer game you you really do because the work you put in uh, in sim racing is really crazy um, it's even crazier now, but when we did F1 eSports, there was around, there was more than a hundred thousand people and you had to be in the top 20 just to get into the championship. And then you had to beat them all to win a race. And I remember during qualifiers, uh, I was on PlayStation. It was F1 2018 game, I think. Um, and so they would open up the qualifiers and the top three of each, uh, console would proceed to uh, semi-finals to London and the thing is you need to stay in top three at the end but but people keep progressing and there's about I don't know 40,000 people on PlayStation alone and over 100,000 in total so I would do a lap time that would put me uh, first and then I would go eat lunch for example and then I would come back from lunch check the PC and I'm like 752nd or something and it's it's like what just happened you know and the thing is i'm only a tent down or something and there's yeah. 700 people in front of i just me. went to get a turkish so, sausage and then look look what's happened in the meantime i mean in that 30 minutes i'm like i went from first to like 700 i was like wow so the thing is the, the amount of practice i've done then was crazy just to qualify i ended up qualifying first but it was it was a real hustle. So when I qualified, it really did feel like something. You know, it was really, I was really happy. And then in semifinals, of course, you have all the people that have been grinding the game. Um, and when I was in Rebel Racing, Rebel Racing Esports, I was in uh, Toro. So, so it was one big team and then they just separated us. So I won the pro draft like in the NBA. So I won the qualifiers. I went into semis. Um, or was that a different year? Yeah, it it was a different year. I think I won the qualifiers, went in the semis, and that was 2017 when I worked uh, when I got into Fernando Alonso's sim racing team. But in 2018, sorry, I won the qualifiers. Then I was invited to pro draft. I won the pro draft, which was uh, the first time they did it. We had like even interviews from the people from F1, um, and we had a karting race and bunch of other interview interviews just to test our interviewing capability stuff like that because as soon as you're affiliated with an f1 team you can't just be a an athlete or a sim racer so we went through a whole bunch of elimination process so i won that and i got into red bull racing's roof um and so i was with Toroso, and we had like these boot camps in 2018 and 19 season and like a week or a week and a half before the um, events and we would just start at like 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. and we would go until like 10 11 p.m. with just a small lunch to dinner break and that's it and we're just grinding three tracks or something in 10 days and we're practicing 12 hours a day sometimes 14 hours a day just to improve by half a tenth or something and maybe two tenths in the course of the whole race because i mean you're already on the limit going into that boot camp and then you spend a hundred hours or something just to get like half a tenth. It's it's it, actually it I, I went to uh, the um, McLaren launch um, mm. and I was sat with Lucas Blakely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was chatting with him and he was telling me, yeah, he was saying like sometimes it'd be like sixteen hour days pushing it, like yeah. you know. And I was chatting to him and Wilson actually because I was like, what's the 
is there a one is there one way of doing it that works or does it vary so for example do some drivers get enough from doing 10 hours practice or do mm-hmm. other drivers need that 14 15 16 hour day to really get that extra tip like what, what do you what did you found that worked best for you Jim? Um, yeah, I mean, I've done some 14 hour days, uh, but I've also realized that doing 14 hours was not better than doing six and seven hours because, well, it depends what you're working on. Like if first six and seven hours is just trying to hot lap and just be better at the race conditions and try every strategy, that's fine. But the next six, seven hours would sometimes be setup testing and that would just take a lot of time. And you would just change one thing, dual app, one thing, dual app, and just over and over. At some point, we realized that because um, I think a different team had a setup advantage, we felt like, uh, in the race with the tire management. So we were we ran out of ideas, and we just started checking uh, setup combinations. And we realized there was going to be a lot of combinations if we do every single, if we, would just, we just wanted to try every single setup in the game possible. I don't know how many there are, but there were a lot of setups. There was probably thousands of them. We end up not doing all of them, of course. Um, but yeah, for me, that that was the burnout point because the first six, seven hours is okay, but the second six, seven hours, I'm not improving. I'm not doing the same lap time as I've done before. Um, and it wasn't really uh, efficient. And so sometimes it was all right, and sometimes it, it was not. A, and I didn't really have that... Um, how can I say one like one day I would practice twelve thirteen next day maybe a bit less so I can focus and just analyze telemetry or data and something um that limited like unlimited practice time is really difficult and also very um contrary to real racing where you have super limited mm. track time mm. so you just have to like you have maybe ten like in f two we have like an hour practice and you usually get a red flag or something and to do a hot lap you go out you do a build-up lap you so you out lap warm-up lap and then a, a hot lap and then another warm-up lap and then a hot lap so in an hour we would complete five hot laps and we're doing that with like 50 60 kilo fuel hard tires and then suddenly we go to qualifying with like super softs or something and 20 kilo fuel and the car is three seconds faster. Yeah. God, it's, so, it, and then you have two laps. <laughs> it's intense. It's, the, the sim racing business is seriously intense. I mean, when you put it like that, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you sit in front of a screen for a, a couple of hours just doing work or emails or whatever, and you get mm-hmm. a bit like, oh, you know, like I need a, need a break from the screen. Mm-hmm. Doing it for, you know, 14 hours is is really fed on but you you mentioned there one of the people that you work with Fernando Alonso who I know is one of the drivers that you looked up to when you were growing up it was Mm -hmm. the guy that you 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 idolized to it to a certain degree what was it like meeting him and working with him oh yeah that that was that was crazy because um it was a surprise back then I I signed my first contract with G2 Esports and which is still one of the biggest orgs in esports in the world so I was really happy this was after semi-finals in London and then we would go to finals in Abu Dhabi, which was the F1 Grand Prix. It was the same time as uh, F1 Esports and F- F1 Esports and F1 was basically at the same weekend. Um, so I go to Abu Dhabi and then like we have a few people from G2 coming up to me saying, okay, we're going to do an interview. And I still have no idea about the news. Uh, I have to record everything. So, so we have this news, Jam, and actually we're 
turning into Fernando Alonso racing team G2 back then. So you're going to start working with Fernando Alonso. Like, what? I had no idea because, like, they dropped this news. Then I went to the track. And then a guy from McLaren came and took me. And I was like, just take me. You know, if a guy, if a guy from McLaren yeah. comes to you and says, follow me, you okay. just go, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I just followed him and went into McLaren Motorhome to the uh, ice floor. And then I, and I see Fernando Alonso and I have someone from Logitech. We have uh, Carlos from G2. And I was like, wait a second, you know, what's going on? And Fernando was like, I gem. It's like, Fernando Alonso knows my name, you know? <laughs> so that, it was a crazy moment that whole weekend. And then the thing is, I ended up winning uh, the race there. Um, and Fernando was watching. So I, I finished the race and I see Fernando just running at me, you know, with his arms open. He just hugs me. I'm like, oh my God. You know, it was, it was a, I, I don't get like starstruck a lot, but every time I see, Fernando Alonso feels something different, you know, because I, I looked up to him a lot, um, and yeah, he was a special person, and he was so humble, you know. I thought because when they announced this, he would just have the name behind it, and I would have no idea about what was happening, and he really wasn't like that. Because a few months after that finals, there was this event in Barcelona, and the F1 Esports had a stand there, and Fernando Alonso racing team also had a stand there. And so they invited me there, and I was there just to well be around there, to, like show people about the sim, the sim rigs and everything. And then Fernando comes in with like a bunch of bodyguards, everyone around him, you know, and and he just like screams at me saying, "Jeff was like to me when I was doing an interview." He's like, he "Remembered, he remembered me." We had a sm- we had a chat, and him, his man, manager, everything, and 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 then when I re- like that's when I realized he was actually not just there as a name but he enjoyed sim racing but also enjoyed working there you know because he spent a lot of time during lockdown in sim uh, with esports as well and he think he won a race even and we've never actually had yeah indy 500 the esports thing i think he won something there yeah sebastian vettel was racing too that was crazy yes. during lockdown it's a different story oh, man. but yeah i mean <laughs> i don't know like and we've i've never raced fernando on camera because he said look i'm a very competitive person and he said like i'll race you either like when i'm either same speed as you or faster (laughs) (laughs) so we've never raced on tv um so he showed me some things but he never actually drove but he gave me some like uh, tips and tricks about like the um, mental side management and stuff like that which was really helpful um, but I, I really wanted to continue with Fernando, but unfortunately F1 changed the format and said we could only represent official F1 teams. But that's why I couldn't uh, represent his names. Um, but yeah, then I started representing Red Bull Racing, so it was a uh, it was good news in the end. And, and Jim, like obviously you got to the the top in terms of esports in one of the most competitive <laughs> series out there. I imagine, you know, I'm assuming you, you kind of had to make a choice, right, between the real racing that you're now more kind of known for mm-hmm. and the esports side of things. Because again, you can't <laughs> you can't practice, you know, 12, 14 hour days yeah. while also trying to have a Formula Three, Formula Two, yeah. Formula career, right? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the thing is, um, like, the thing that got me into esports was well, I did some karting. Uh, like I said, I started in Turkey, then I went to Cyprus, and then I did a few rounds in Europe, and uh, but I was never able to do like a full championship, and um, because it was a lot more expensive. You can't come from Turkey and go to Europe every time, and of course, it's an expensive sport, so we we could do to an extent, but not uh, like a full season, um. Well, I've raced in weekends the same as Lando Norris. Max Verstappen at some point was racing, but he was in a higher category than, than me. Um, so I've seen them in karting days as well. And I was like, I had the chance to do a few races with them at the same weekend. Um, but then I, uh, when I was going to do the transition from karting to real cars, it was uh, very expensive. Um, so that's when I had to stop. Um, and that's when I got into sim racing and esports. Um, yeah, so when I realized that I could make the transition back to racing, like what, even when I got back into esports and sim racing side, I was like, look, I mean, this is probably my only chance if I want to drive a real car ever again, because I'm not going to do it financially if I stay in this route. But maybe if I do something well in on the sim racing side, which was not even considered sim racing back then, because this is like 2013, 14, and we didn't really have an esports scene. Uh, well, yeah, so I just started playing F1 game 2013 or something. I was playing on the gamepad. Um, didn't even have the wheel back then. Um, so I said, I might as well just show myself in eSports. If I can't drive the real car, I might as well drive the virtual one. And at yeah. some point, if an opportunity comes, I'll, I'll see. But I never really actually thought that I could come back to real racing. Um, so when I had the opportunity in the end of 2019, uh, I was offered to race in gt4 for two rounds uh with, with bmw so i was like yeah sure of course you know um but i really wanted to continue esports at the same time which was impossible because like you said i mean i can't just spend 10 hours or 12 hours a day um and do real racing side so what i what i do now is that i, I do some special events throughout the year and when I have the time, because I still do a lot of sim racing, like I go to factory every day to practice. I'm on the sim playing all, sort, all sorts of different games. It's never going to be and or. It's just going to be like I'll always have sim racing because it's still a great practice for me. But I don't use it as as a competition. I use it as a practice for real racing now. Yeah. Um, so the practice I do is different. Do, do you, uh, obviously, you're not doing, albeit, you're in the sim, mm-hmm. but you're not in yeah. the sim day in, day out, 10 hours a day. No. Do, you, do you lose yeah. an edge there when it comes to sim racing? Like if you went back into a sim racing championship now, do you think you could be immediately yeah. on it? Or would you need that practice again to get back up to speed? Not immediately, because people have been in since I since I've been staying <laughs> at the same level. Um, so, But I would need a lot of practice and I would probably get back into it again. Because I've done it once. I can probably do it again, yeah. um, but I, I would I, have to spend a lot of time again. Yeah, because I, I guess with real races, and I was going to ask you about this, um, yeah. you know, the sim is now an established, recognized, respected <clears throat> training aid for all real-life racing drivers. You look at how many yeah. are on the books at Team Redline, for example, Scott McLaughlin, yeah. you've got, um, like, so many different drivers are yeah. into it. However, as a sim racer, you know, the doing the real racing isn't a, you know, that's not gonna, you know what I mean? When you're doing 10, 
12, 14 yeah. hour days on the sim, you can just focus yeah. all in on the sim. So it must be quite difficult, I guess. Yeah. Where you're doing real racing and still a lot of sim compared to these just androids who are just 14 hours a day, every day, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Like yeah. that's, I guess that's where it is, is, is different. Right. But would you say, cause you're in your mid twenties, um would you say that everyone you race with in real life in real race cars um and younger is everyone a sim driver as much as they are a a real driver now because you still look at the hamilton Mm. vettel generation of f1 drivers you know never really used simulators that wasn't a thing but Mm. now surely every real racing driver is also a sim racer yeah definitely i mean they don't do it 10 12 hours a day on an esports level but they do it to an extent that's going to help them. Um, but also most of them don't enjoy sim racing as much as real racing. So the time they spend is not uh, is not much. Um, I've seen a lot of real racing drivers that don't really enjoy doing sim racing, but they only do it as practice to get Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Used to uh, some of the mechanics. Um, but I see, I also hear a lot of drivers who re- don't really like uh, sim racing because it's not um, realistic. Um, of course, as a real car. Um, but you have a lot of people doing sim practice now. Probably everyone now is a sim. They probably all of them have sim rigs at their houses. Yeah. Now let's uh, let's move away from sim racing for a moment because you're in <laughs> Japan. You're in your little hotel room. Yeah. Um, you've yeah. moved across there to take part in Super Formula, which um, I'm really excited for you about because it's such a a Thank brilliant you. championship. Um, it's yeah. um, it's probably well, it is the premier. Um, open wheel series out in japan many drivers um have gone out there who have been around the european circuits as well nick cassidy's been out there with good success and has obviously come back and done formula e leon lawson is also out there um and i think it's probably safe to say it's as close to getting into a formula one car as you can get and and i probably count you know formula two cars in that as well it's probably even more close to an f1 car than a formula two car um also just a side note fair play for running the pray for turkey hashtag on the car um i I can imagine that's a difficult time for you so you know the the more we can say about that the better but for those not familiar with super formula because it's quite hard to watch here the coverage is difficult to get hold of just tell us about the series the cars um and and i guess your excitement levels because the season kicks off pretty soon right yeah yeah i mean honestly like um basically like you said it's the premier uh racing highest level of racing in japan and it is the closest car that is uh to f1 and like uh, compared to f2 f2 is very quick on a straight line 
um, especially with the DRS and everything. But when I drove Super Formula, it was quite a bit faster than F2. I didn't think it was going to be this much faster, um, especially in the corners like Suzuka in Super Formula is an experience. You know, it's it's amazing. I mean, some of the Gs we pull is over 4G uh, in corners, 4 to 4.5G in corners. And some of the apex speeds we have in Suzuka first sector is close to some of the F1 cars of the uh, of the pole lap. And I think the pole lap of Super Formula was only five and a half seconds or something slower than F1. And we lose about four seconds of it on the straights. So it is it is very close. Um, and of course, I'm very excited because not just the car side, but the whole atmosphere because it has a lot of... Like all drivers are professional drivers. You have people like Kami Kobayashi or Hirakawa or uh, you have Lawson now as well. Uh, for, um, so you have some more European drivers coming. As in, it's like F1.5 at some point, yeah. but it, it is in Japan, so it's not the official FIA stepping uh, route yeah, F1. Um, but you have a lot of high-level drivers, um, and also now more people coming from Europe. So I'm very excited, and the atmosphere has been amazing with the engineers and yeah, I've been I'm really enjoying my time. Here. Have Have you Have you experienced the the gravity of what you're doing out there yet. And by that, I mean, so I used to manage a driver called Struan Moore and he, he went out mm-hmm. to Japan to race in, um, uh, uh, Japanese F3, I think it was. And they mm-hmm. were supporting the super formula races. So he traveled around a yeah. bit. He did Fuji and these other places. And at the time, I think it was Andre Lotter that was, um, that was out there in super formula. And he was like mm-hmm. an absolute God. Like the the <laughs> fan base is insane. And, and even with Struan, who was only in Japanese F3, he, they were we had i remember one day there was two fans that turned up with his colors painted on their nails and you know his race suit and stuff <laughs> it's fanatical are you seeing that already yeah. do you do you sort of understand the gravity of what what you're doing as a um you know a european slash asian-based <laughs> driver um, i mean going out there yeah well definitely because we had the first preseason test and before that we had like the season opener show so we had a lot of fans coming into the track and we had this uh, autograph sessions and everything so there was a lot of people thousands of ten thousands of people maybe so you realize yes there are some there are some hardcore motorsports supporters you know um so that was a different experience although f2 of course has a lot of uh fan base as well um so I've realized that in F2 too, because we would have the um, F1 fan zone experiences. Um, I've had one in Paul Ricard, for example, and there was a lot of people there as well. But I think the big, like the in terms of gravity, um, when you go into the garage, the amount of engineers you see it, it is quite crazy. And not just from your team, you have people from your engine manufacturer, a few, like two or three engineers from your engine manufacturer coming in after your test asking how everything is because there's also a battle of the engines. So you have Honda and Toyota. So you're not just driving for yourself, but you're also driving for Honda or Toyota. So you have to beat uh, your opponent. Um, so you have a lot more pressure on getting the car better, um, not just in terms of setup, but all in terms of your feedback is actually important to beat uh, beat the other engine supplier. Um, so you don't have to just you don't need to just give feedback about your car, but you also need some feedback about the engine, how it works, where it could be better. Because in F two, everyone has the same engine, so you don't talk about the engine. 
or it, or yeah, how to improve it. But here you need to tell them where it can improve, where it's good, and they expect you to have that information. And because you have people that have been doing Super Formula for maybe over 10 years, like I think Tomoki was the double double champion now the last two years. He's been in Super Formula for over 10 years or something. And the experience he has in terms of setting up the car is he's a professional driver and he understands everything. And he is like an engineer. And like in F2, you have a lot of great drivers with great talent, but you don't have anyone that's been there for 10 years, let's say. Um, so so the expectation from the drivers is a bit different than in F2 because in F2 you can control many things, but in Super Formula you have, you're in control of much more. Um, so your feedback is, becomes a lot more important. Do you think, Jem, your background in esports and all of that, like you'd say, you know, seven hours would be mm-hmm. fine in the lap and another seven hours could be spent on, on setup. Do you think that mm-hmm. is made um is that passed over into real racing do you think that kind of understanding um, definitely yes yeah yeah i mean 100 percent. because also i i had to be my own engineer during my i-racing days or in f1 days so i had like i've read some books about it and just blogs about how uh setups work in real life and i use that information that i learned in in real cars as well so when i speak to an engineer to when well to an extent i can understand and help him because when you think about it, I really have very limited real-life racing experience compared to any person I've raced against. Um, so if I didn't do sim racing, I would have no chance of being anywhere near the people I've been competing against because I've never, I, I didn't even have a racing career before COVID when you think about mm. it. Um, so a lot has happened in a very short amount of time. Like I was racing against F2 drivers in F1 game during COVID. After COVID, I ended up racing against them in, in real F2. Matt, I've got to say, <laughs> yeah. honestly, Jem, like it, it's so, it, it's so, especially as, as someone, and there's going to be plenty of people listening and watching when they were kids and they wanted to be, you know, I was from the same little town as Johnny Herbert. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to be a racing driver <laughs> and there mm-hmm. wasn't that money at home. And yeah. I, you know, this was before Sim Day, so I had little Forza on my game pads, and I always had yeah. this dream. And the fact that you've been able to, you know, you know, the, the 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 monetary side of it, you were able to go down this sim path and develop skills, and yeah. now you've got an, a career in racing. Like it is honestly mm-hmm. like super inspiring seeing yeah. you do it, because then I think it makes this sport that's been so inaccessible to most yeah. people. Only the top, you know, percent can can afford to to get anywhere near competitive in go karts. That okay, there is another way in. There is another way of honing those skills and then potentially having a actual, you know, real life racing career later on in life. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I mean, a thousand percent because I mean, like F one has been helping me a lot as well on social media because they want to, like, they want to everyone to know about the same story that you've been talking about because like F one is not like football where you can just go ahead and play you know you even to know if you have talent you need to spend a lot of money so at least if if like if i can make it through sim racing and make a career for myself we can basically tell the world that anybody can become a racing driver whereas now it's seen as oh it, it's very inaccess- inaccessible if you don't have enough money you can never be a racing driver well, whereas if i can make it we, that's why it's, it becomes a bigger story like I think 
um, last year we looked at the social media reach and everything and the first six months of F2, my F2 story, it got over 1.1 billion impressions on social media globally, which is crazy, you know? Yeah. It's insane. And and your socials are doing incredibly well. Is your, is your fan base, Thank you. is that an international fan base? Or have you got a lot of followers from Turkey? It's about 70 to 75% Turkish, but I still have quite a few international. Yeah. yeah it's interesting because yeah. a lot of your posts, a lot of your reels and stuff, they're in Turkish, aren't they? Because I was, I was looking at some yeah. last night. Yeah. Um, and it, it must be quite inspiring. It must be nice being in your position because there's, let's be honest, there's not a huge amount of racing drivers out there at the moment um successfully from yeah. turkey do you do, do you mm-hmm. feel any sort of responsibility or or are you are you actively trying to increase participation in in your home country yeah and i i and i'm trying i want to do more and um, because right now i'm in a position where i need to focus a lot on my racing career but i would love to focus more on the next generation um and the thing is i'm going to reach a point of success in my life but i want the next gen to at least be reach where i have even more but they should be able to reach at least what i've reached yeah i think that should be the bare minimum there but i also see how many new people are getting into karting and sometimes i go to like turkish championships and stuff to see uh the new atmosphere because i think this year they had like the record amounts of participations and i meet their fam like the small kids families and everything uh, and it's just great to see that I can have an impact on getting new people into motorsports mm. um, to tell them that it is possible uh, to become a Formula 2 driver, Formula 1 driver and stuff like that. I think the biggest way that you can inspire and showcase it is by, you know, putting in the results on track at the end of the day. I mean, yeah. that's going to, yeah. you know, more than any talking, that's going to prove beyond yeah. any question that, you know, you, you, you're, you're, you've got a valid position there, you're you've been able to translate those skills over and obviously go into super formula yeah. this year in a hyper competitive championship, you know, a lot of drivers, like you say, Kamui, you've got Liam coming in from F um, from F2 as well. Mm. Like what are your expectations, I guess this year um, based off kind of your team, your engine, but also what you know you can deliver from yourself. Like are you putting high expectations on this year or, or, or where are you? Um, I'm never results driven, but, I, I want to improve each weekend because, like I said, I do have a lot of difference in experience compared to people I'm racing against. But I think each weekend I've been closing the gap. Like I think in F2 as well, um, the beginning was good. Then we had the crash, unfortunately. But when I came back from the crash, um, each weekend we were just getting closer to the front. Um, and then, yeah, we had some issues uh, where we could have finished the season off. But in Super Formula, I think the postseason test went well. Preseason tests went well as well, and I'm my, I'm really uh, I'm really happy with my team. They're delivering. Uh, my teammate is is very good. He's won races. He's he's got into podiums, and his his goal is to win the championship. Um, so of course I would like I want to put some ground rules, but I just at at first I just want to improve each weekend and see where I am, mm. and then we can build from it. Um, I don't want to say oh, I just want to win the first race. Um, of course, I want to win all of the races and I want to win the championship, but I also do it step by step, just improve each weekend and see where we take it and do my best because what we've seen or what I've seen with my team during my career is that when we do our best each weekend, we can deliver 
and I have a hundred percent trust in that. So I trust that process. Now, Jem, um, we have a final three questions, which we ask all of our guests. Yeah. The, the first one, mm-hmm. um, which I'll kick off with this week. Um, I'm pretty sure I know the answer of already because what's the date today as we record, what is it? 23rd, something 23rd. like that. 23rd. 23rd. So in a couple of weeks, yeah. you're taken to the track <laughs> yeah. in uh, Fuji Speedway. I think it is the first race. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to ask anyway, what's got you excited at the moment? What's got me excited? Honestly, I haven't been racing in a long time. um, So I want to get back to a race weekend format. And I'm very hyped out, hyped with Super Formula. Um, Racing the car, the Fuji. Honestly, everything just gets me hyped up. And I'm just very happy that I'm back into racing, back racing in a championship like Super Formula. When you think about it, two years ago, I had almost no racing experience and now we're in super formula. So yeah, it's a crazy dream come true. And we've gone a lot, like it's been a long, it's been a short amount of time, but we've Mm. done, we've gone a long way. But also when I think about it, like it's still the very beginning of my career. And I have a lot more to do, a lot more to prove, to show. And I'm very just excited about the future really. And, and Jem, how much of the success you've had up to this point um, do you put down to luck versus kind of hard work and graft? Um, well, hard work is necessary, of course. And I've been working really hard and I had to work really hard to close the gap to people ahead of me, to people better than me, um, off the track, on the track. Um, so I've been working really hard. And I really want it because I also know what happens when you get slapped in the face with, with the doors, so I don't know how the expression is called, when they, everyone says no and everything becomes in, impossible, you know? So I know what it is to f- not fail, but it's also what it is to know that there is a possibility that everything can fail. And I've had that go through, like I, I've been through that where all of my dreams got crushed a few times when during esports, getting into esports in the beginning. So it just made me more and more hungry. And I just wanted more and more through that. But also luck is very important. Being at the right place, right time is everything. You know, I, I think I've been at the right place at the right time. Because in the end, um, I was the first person in the world from to go from esports to Formula 2 to Super, super Formula. So when you think about it, definitely i've been at the wrong right place at the right time yeah so i just wanted to maximize that but i mean it's always the right place right time there's never going to be a perfect time yeah that's every, i just need to make every time the perfect time so you just have to be ready. when i was doing esports i was still going to the gym a lot just to say like just to be ready if somebody calls me to do a test day or something I wouldn't just black out from the physical mm. exercise. You know, when I was doing esports, I was still exercising every day. Yeah. Now, uh, last one for you, and then uh, we'll let you get on with your yeah. evening because it's probably getting late out there, I'd imagine. Um, <laughs> That's 9 oh, p.m. Okay. It's okay. fine. Okay. Um, yeah. What yeah. are you scared of? What am I scared of? Um, difficult question. I think every everybody is scared of failure. Uh, but it's to define, you need to define failure there because the failure is also a very good thing. You need to fail to succeed. Um, so in a way, you're scared of failing, but you also hope you fail a lot of times just so you can succeed. Nobody nobody has an, 
Like, I don't think there's anybody in the world that hasn't failed that's been successful at something, you know? Um, so I don't want to say fail. What am I scared of? Um, scared of... Well, I, I, I'm, I'm working as hard as I can. And I don't want to say at the end of my career, I would never want to say, I wish I could have done more, you know? Mm. I'm, I'm, that's my fear. I want to say I gave it all. And if I make it to F1, I want to say well, I gave it all. I made it to F1. I won a Grand Prix, whatever. But I don't want to say I couldn't make it to F1 or I couldn't win the Super Formula Championship. But I mean, I think if I, if I just worked hard a bit more, I could have done it. I, I never want to say that. I think that's my biggest fear. Very good. Is that knowing I could have done something, but I couldn't because there's a lot of things in motorsports that I can't control myself. Um. But I want to, like, the things that I can control, I want to crush it. You know, I, I have to go 100, 100%. No regrets, no regrets. Um, Tim, yeah. I'm just going to yeah. ask uh, Jim one more question. because on. I, I This one burning. <laughs> it's quite a specific one. You know, you talked earlier yeah. about um, your, you've got a lot less experience real-world racing than most of the people around you. Mm-hmm. Where do you think that lack of experience manifests most? Is it kind of outright speed or tyre management or wheel-to-wheel racing or would you just say it's spread across? Like, is there a particular thing you think um, that maybe hurts you or hinders you more than a more experienced driver? I think, for example, in F2, um, the people go up through the roots from F4, F3, and they know the format where an hour of practice. So you need to deliver each lap and you just need to get on from lap one. That was very hard for me to get used to because it's like, I go into practice, okay, is everything all right? I've done the first lap, all right, we can go a bit fast, but it just doesn't work like that. You have to go first lap, bam, everybody's just putting in the laps. And I'm like, my first lap, I'm two and a half seconds off or something because I'm just getting used to everything. But because of their experience with the tire, with the whole weekend, they know that every lap matters. So I think that was a big struggle. But also understanding the tires is in F3, you also have a similar tire in Prelis, but I've never used Prelis in my life uh, until F2. And F2 preseason testing, I had a few engine failures where I couldn't use the soft tire in race conditions at all. The first time I've used soft tires in race conditions was it was in the actual feature race in Bahrain. So I ha- yeah, so for me, understanding the tires was very difficult. Understanding the limit of the car and driving under the limit so for the tire management side. So I've struggled a lot in tire management, which was getting a lot better at the end at the end of the season. But in the beginning, I would say learning a new tire, which is as complicated as Pirelli, which makes it really nice, of course, because it makes it more difficult. But I've struggled a lot in tire management or tire warm-up procedure. Like in qualifying, very like the tire warm-up procedure in qualifying in F2 is really difficult because you don't have anything showing you if it's in the optimal temperature or in so you don't know going into turn one if you're in the optimal temperature or not so it hurt my confidence a bit because I, I never knew if it was the actual and a feeling why i didn't know how the optimal grip felt and so so yeah i think tire management and like putting up a banger of a lap time in your first lap that was tough to do tough to get used to that's why you need the experience that's why you do 
well F three a few years and then F two already yeah F three F two stuff. It's a it's a really interesting question actually, Tom, and 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 when you answer it in that way, Jeremy, it makes what you're doing all the more impressive when you think that you're you're starting really from a much farther back position than your colleagues because you just haven't got that, you know, years and years and years of, of single see-through experience. Um, so amazing yeah. stuff. And it's, it's a fascinating thing to think of this whole sort of gamer to um, real world racing driver. And there's, we, we, you know, other examples are out there like Jan um, Mardenborough. And there's, a, there's a, actually a film coming yeah, out about definitely. his journey uh, later this year, I think, which is going to be shown on by Sony Pictures, which is going to be in cinemas. And, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a huge industry um and who knows maybe you'll become the first gamer to f1 um as you say you're still young enough time's on your side all the best in super formula this season we'll be watching where we can where can we watch it by the way is is there a way we can we can get hold of it yeah well uh they used to put the highlights up on youtube uh, but now they actually have their own application which is super formula go sf go and you can just globally download it you just sign up um i think I don't remember the pricing, but, um, but it's not expensive. Uh, but you can watch globally. Uh, and each POV, which is really nice, so you can watch the whole race from my cool. POV, and you can see my top speed breaking everything, so you can watch from we'll, we'll definitely check that out. It'll be a good comparison for F1 TV. And um, yeah, that's brilliant. Well, best of luck with it. You're going to be racing on some absolutely mega tracks, Matagi, Suzuka, Fuji, obviously. It's yeah. going to be a hell of an experience, and we, we hopefully will catch up with you again and hear all about it once you've got your feet under the table. Hopefully. But um, for now, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official, and Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MNTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans, and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too, so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 